Well, we're well along in our series now on how to overcome evil. Let me catch up any of you who have tuned in for the first time. Several broadcasts ago, we began this series, which is found in the latter part of Romans 12, by looking at verse 21, the last verse, which sums up what Paul has been saying in verses 14 through 21. There he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That means that we're in a war with evil, that we're not to be defeated in the battles that we fight as Christians with the forces of evil. And indeed, we're to go beyond that and win those battles and overcome evil. And that our method for doing so is doing good for those who do evil to us. That's a tremendous battle plan. The world doesn't believe it. The world doesn't know anything about it. But that's God's plan for destroying evil. You destroy evil with good. How else could you destroy evil when you think about it? There isn't any other weapon. You can't destroy evil by using evil. You can't do what the world does in return. Because obviously, if you use evil to destroy evil, then good doesn't return from evil. So it must be doing good that will overcome evil and only doing good that will overcome it. So let's get down to the specifics. Last broadcast, we talked about verse 14, in which Paul shows us how to handle those who persecute us. Instead of spitting out that acid response to the nastiness that has been exhibited toward us, same to you, fella, kind of stuff, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. We saw that blessing means to ask God to do good for the one who has done evil to us. Cursing means to ask God to damn him to hell forever. So the Christian response when someone wrongs him is to talk to God first and ask God to do good to the one who has done evil to him. Now, in overcoming evil with good, there is evil within the church of Jesus Christ that needs to be overcome too. And you see, we need to identify with one another in order to do this. We need to come close to each other. We need to be able to be solidified into an army that is sensitive, each soldier sensitive to the needs of others. We can't simply fight the battle alone. So Paul says in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In this battle against evil, we need others and they need us. We stand side by side with fellow soldiers of Jesus Christ. But we have to stand with them, not as individuals, but we have to flow together with them in our concerns and sympathies and interests. And the first way in which he shows us that is what he says in this verse. Secondly, he shows us in the next verse how we flow together and stand together uh, in other ways. But notice, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You see, the church is really one. 
And when we love another person enough, we enter into that person's life. Joe can't be sent to the hospital and there have an operation in which a tumor is removed from his brain without the rest of the people in that congregation feeling something of the agony and the heartache that Joe has gone through and his family have felt. Without the rest of that congregation somehow or other understanding the fears that Joe had before the operation, without the rest of the congregation really caring about the troubles and the difficulties, the financial needs that this brought into the life of those who are left at home as Joe goes off to the hospital. And because they feel it, they weep with those who weep, and that means not just to somehow or other uh, have the emotional experience, but it means to get in there and, and be a part of their problem, to help them with it to really meet some of the needs, to uh, shell out some of the shekels that are needed to meet the needs. Weep with those who weep. And yet, you know, sometimes that's the easier thing to do. You can always get a special prayer meeting together or get people to pray around the congregation if somebody is rushed to the hospital. But could you get a special prayer meeting to pray for joy? To rejoice with those who rejoice? Suppose Joe, instead of going to the hospital, has just gotten a raise, a raise that his family greatly needed, a raise that will enable him to give more money to the church, a raise that will help him in, in his witness and help him in his family life and help him all along. Could you get a prayer meeting together, a special prayer meeting to rejoice? Well, you know it would be a pretty hard thing to do that. Sometimes it's a lot harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. Their envy and jealousy and all that sort of thing begins to well up inside of sinners instead. But we're told to rejoice with those who rejoice, not only to weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. Do you, you know that 15th chapter of Luke, perhaps is the best example of what we're talking about, where Jesus makes very clear to us that the pouting elder brother and the seeking father demonstrate this failure of believers to rejoice. There are three parables in that section. There's the parable of the lost and found sheep, the parable of the lost and found coin, and the parable of the lost and found son. And you remember the point of each of those parables is not that somebody is saved, of course that's involved in it, but the point of the parables is this. First, a son is uh, a sheep is lost, and the shepherd goes and seeks it, and he finds it, and he gathers all the other shepherds together, and they rejoice over the hundredth sheep that is found. That's what's natural. That's what should be. The woman loses her coin. She gathers her female friends together. They search all over the place, and they find it. Then they all have a, a shindig together and rejoice. The father seeks his lost son, and he finds him. And he throws a party and kills the fatted calf. And that's the way it should be. But all of a sudden, a negative note is introduced. The elder brother comes and he pouts. He won't even go in the house. He refuses to become a part of the rejoicing. Well, you see, that's like a lot of Christians. That's how the Pharisees were, you see. Jesus went seeking the lost, and when he found them, they refused to be happy. They complained instead that he was with sinners and publicans. 
And there are sometimes those within the church who will not rejoice over the joys of other Christians or over lost souls who come in and to assimilate them into the body. There must be then so close a relationship between believers, so close a relationship between us that we can fight these battles and win this war against evil because we are sensitive to one another, entering into one another's difficulties and needs, fighting evil among ourselves as we seek to fight it in the world out there, doing good to one another as we seek to do good to those around us. Lord, help us as we battle with the foe to be an army that is well-tuned to the needs of one another, fighting the evil that would keep us apart successfully too. For Christ's sake, amen.